Hi, it's Chris Luna, dating coach for Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we assemble and interview some of the best experts in the world to help you become the man that you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Nick Notice. Nick is a keynote speaker and coach who focuses on teaching men confidence, dating, and social skills. He's the founder of nicknotice.com, formerly the dating specialist. His blog has over 200 articles and over 100,000 monthly readers. He's also the author of two eBooks, Approaching Women Confidently, and A Gentleman's Guide to Texting Women. I wanna start with some questions about follow-up. When should a guy ask for a phone number? So generally, I think that you should ask for a phone number as long as you're interested within the first time of meeting her before you end the conversation. Um, that could be depending on the moment. If it's you know during the daytime, things are gonna be a lot quicker. So within you know two to five minutes, uh, throughout a bar, you know, within five minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour. Depends on really how long you want to continue talking to her. Uh, the main point is, I think, ask before you leave and also don't make it the last point. Um, so, therefore, it's not like, hey, we've been talking. Let me get your number by. Um, you know, try to ask for the number and at least stay for an extra minute, two or more, so that she says, okay, wanted to get my number, but he's genuinely still interested in talking to me. So, overall, relatively quickly and within the first conversation. I know this is great advice. What, what should a guy do once he does get the number? So I would say to follow up within 24 hours. I'm not really a fan of the three-day rule <laughs> where, you know, you play it cool and try to, you know, hold off 48, 72 hours. I think that if a girl's interested in you and you made a good impression, strike when the iron's hot. So follow up within 24 hours. I think this is excellent advice. What's the best way to follow up? Should you surprise her at her house or work or call her or text her and why? Um, surprise her at her house if you want to terrify her. Um, <laughs> if you want a good response, I think uh, it's just a casual, simple text. Hey, I had a lot of fun meeting you. Don't get into too much trouble without me. Smiley face. Um, something really simple that just says it was nice meeting you and just, you know, reestablishes the connection. Um, I, I used to say... You know, you can call a lot, too. Unfortunately, the more we move towards mobile and text, I just find a higher response rate towards initially texting. Um, even if a girl's interested, sometimes immediately calling her, uh, you know, they get nervous, they get anxious, they don't pick up. So really simple, casual text, had fun, nice meeting you, talk to you again, don't get into too much trouble, and keep it simple. So don't send her like a paragraph uh, or two-paragraph essay. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> Short, nice, okay. but positive. Okay, cool. No, this is great. Uh, so how long, let's say he does text. You said within 24 hours. So you'd say, yeah, how long do you wait to text a girl? Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you're talking to her a little bit earlier in the day or even earlier at night, you can send it before the end of the night. Um, just like it was fun meeting you, have another drink on me. Um, otherwise, just text her the next, you know, early afternoon. How about when she texts you, how long should you wait to respond to a text? Uh, as soon as you want to respond. I, I kind of got over a couple of years ago micromanaging my texts and waiting to respond and saying, is this too needy? I think that if you make a good enough impression and as long as your texts don't sound desperate where, you know, you're sending 10 in a row or you're like, you know, I hope you really like me, um, that doesn't matter. I think that if she's interested in you and you come off as a normal, confident, you know, not desperate person, it's irrelevant. What, what, and so what if you want to wait like two weeks? What will happen? <laughs> okay, I guess it's not completely irrelevant then. Um, <laughs> I think it should still be within, you know, I would say 24 to 48 hours, barring obviously any circumstances to you, just because I think if the connection is there in person, she wants to continue that, right? I mean, most women aren't like, I had a great time meeting this guy. I hope he doesn't call me for a week, you know? Yeah, I think it's great advice. We often tell our clients, you're trying to get to normal and... When we talk about normal, we're talking about the way that you normally interact with the people who are closest to you, right? Exactly. And so that's kind of the point that you're you're trying to create that level of communication. Uh, when you te when you text her, you're not freaked out whether or not she's going to respond, and you're not overthinking how you're going to respond to her. You're trying to get to essentially normal. Uh, but I think mm -hmm. this, this is excellent advice. Uh, how, how about a guy who has been texting a girl for a while and he wants to keep her interested? How, how does he do that? So, sure. I think that if, if you've been texting for a while and unless, 
you are in a long distance circumstance or you're on vacation, I think you should try to set up a meetup. If she gave you her number, she had a good time in person, then I would say don't just keep texting for, you know, days or weeks on end. She probably wants to meet up again. So if you haven't already suggested, hey, let's hang out, that would be my first recommendation. Okay, cool. And um, what, type of, what type of things do you recommend when you uh, recommend a hangout or a meetup? Uh, I think, you know, anything barring, I always say, necessarily a movie date or even dinner sometimes, uh, simply because if, if you're less experienced okay, and you're in a situation where at a movie you don't get to talk as much or dinner, you're forced to really kind of sit across from each other and interview, a lot of guys find that hard to deal with. Obviously, myself, I love dinner, so I don't mind going out. Otherwise, I think it's pretty wide open. Whether you want drinks or ice cream or to walk or hike or play pool or go for lunch, it doesn't really matter. I think it's more about the energy and the atmosphere you bring um, necessarily than the environment. Um, that said, obviously, if you have things that you naturally enjoy, um, you know, if you love playing pool or you love going to the beach, that's going to help you, I think, be more comfortable and have a better time anyway. So... If it's something that you naturally enjoy, then do that and it gives you a nice little leg up. Yeah, we, we often tell our clients that um, that intimacy is rooted in, in kind of touch and emotions. And so you want to be able to create a circumstance where you have those two things. But I think that you're you're going to write on. I, I have another question. What happens if um, the, a guy's out there, he's like, I'm sending the most interesting text in the world. It's usually a red flag, right? But what, what happens if... Uh, <laughs> If a woman is ignoring his text, what does that mean? So it could mean a lot of things. And, and sometimes I think the worst thing you can do in those situations is try to decipher um, without any other knowledge of why. Generally, I mean, the primary reason is she's just not as invested or interested. Um, and it's tough to hear a lot of guys want to justify a million other reasons why a girl's not texting back. But I've found that if she's genuinely interested, um, usually they're going to respond. Other reasons, I mean, maybe they met somebody else or they, they started talking to someone else again. Maybe they have anxiety problems. Uh, maybe they're nervous or trying to play a cool influence from their friends. Uh, but generally, I would say the majority of the time is they're not as invested or interested. If she's like, hey, I like this guy, then she doesn't want to lose the opportunity of not seeing him. That's great. I think one of the things that we'll often say is that if you had, we'll tell the guys as an example, say, let's say that you're really busy, right? And uh, your best friend tells you that he has tickets backstage to hear uh, your favorite, your favorite band, you probably would make time, right? Um, Because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So if she likes you enough, she will not only uh, make sure she texts you, she will travel across the country, she'll do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, The only kind of exception to that is when if a girl you mentioned it, if a girl has anxieties sometimes if she really likes a guy she'll get nervous but that's usually pretty obvious uh when you're interacting with her if she's the type of girl who gets nervous but i think again these are you're giving solid solid tips exactly and you said it you know you said a good point too is also if she is interested but say she really is busy say she's got six days of work coming up and then finals or whatever um she's still gonna start communication and tell you hey, I'm really slammed this week, but I really want to hang out. Let's do next Wednesday and offer up a better time where she is free rather than just say, okay, I'm not going to respond to this guy you know, for weeks until I'm ready. It's funny because guys, there's this, this uh, kind of myth about how women don't, um, they don't say what they mean or they, they, um, they don't say what they want or whatever. And it's true. I mean, I mean, there's a kind of like, some truth in that, in the sense that women are often sure. kind of less confrontational, uh, confrontationally assertive, but they often will tell you exactly what they need or want if you listen. So, if a girl says, um, "I, I'm, uh, I'm busy with school," it probably means that she's busy with school, <laughs> or she's busy with <laughs> yeah. work. It probably means that she's kind of busy with work, and uh, but oftentimes guys kind of freak out and and. Um, but it's true not just about texting or dates. It's true about everything from her emotional needs to sexual needs. Uh, if you listen uh, to a woman, she'll tell you what she needs. Uh, at least that's been my experience. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. I think you know most of the time when they say what they're saying, there's not some 
you know, three layers of hidden meaning behind it. Uh, let's, let's see here. So a guy gets a phone number, uh, they text back and forth a few weeks and it doesn't go anywhere. What's going on with her? Sure. I mean, first thing you have to evaluate is obviously, did he try to move things forward into the real world? Um, if he did, if he was saying, hey, let's hang out, and she never committed to a time or never gave a time that she was available, I'd probably say, again, she's not really invested enough to come out. Or she's, you know, some, I'm not going to lie, some women like the attention too, right? They, they like that, you know, somebody's nice and texting them and showing them interest, but they're not really interested about interested on a strong enough level and potentially romantically to say, okay, I'm going to come out and meet him. Uh, so if, if you have been pushing and asking out, she keeps dodging or never making time, then she's probably not that in, interested in actually meeting up. How many times should a guy reach out to a girl before he just moves on? Oh, I always hate placing absolute numbers on anything, but generally I say two or three times. I think that if you've, if you've asked, twice or three times on different occasions let's hang out she's not giving you a little wiggle room or saying you know i'm busy but here's what i'm thinking then yeah i would say leave the ball on her court she obviously knows that you want to hang out and if she's really that interested she'll say okay i haven't talked to this guy in a couple of days i'm free now i want to meet up with him. okay cool uh, what do you think about kind of confirming dates uh through texts or calls is this a good idea and if so um when when's a good time to do it Sure. Um, I always think it's a good thing to confirm, just in a, in a slightly different way than a lot of guys think. Uh, only reason is remind them, you know, people get distracted, especially if it's a couple days, they forget about things, they're a little nervous, they want to know that you're still interested in coming out. So I, I say follow up within 24 hours, or usually if you're going out at night, you know, early, after, or early afternoon, the day of. And uh, one thing is, instead of saying, hey, are we still on tonight? Um, and just, which it makes it sound like you have some doubt that she's going to cancel on you. Just say something, make a statement and make it positive. Hey, I'm excited to grab drinks and, and kick ass tonight. Like, Hey, I'm excited to whoop your button pool, bring your A game. Something that just implies, Hey, we're still hanging out and I'm interested in seeing you or let's have fun. And she's going to respond yes or no. You don't need to explicitly say, Hey, do you still want to come out and see me today to get that response? So yeah, simple thing. Hey, I'm excited. You know, where it's you to smile, have the, you know, bring your A game, whatever. And if she's still coming out, she'll say, cool, I'm, gonna, I'm ready and pumped or whatever. Or she's going to tell you, hey, sorry, you know, things came up or actually I can't make it out today. Cool. So, but I think it's good. I think it's good rather than just showing up blindly. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of situations where guys are like, oh, I don't need to confirm. And then they go, they sit there at 7 o'clock till 8 o'clock. Nobody shows up and then they go home. You know, I'd rather use your time wisely. No, this is this is excellent. Um, what what happens if she does cancel? What should a guy do? I mean, I, I think if she does cancel, uh, you know, give her the benefit of the doubt. As long as it seems like a you know a somewhat valid reason, she's not completely blowing you off. If she if she's apologetic, she says, "Listen, I got slammed on work or whatever." Give her the benefit of the doubt. No problem. Cool. Let's catch up another day and try to set up plans again. I think the worst thing you can do in that situation is, you know, attack somebody. Either way, whether she's telling the truth or not, um, getting on the uh, offensive about it is just going to make her more apprehensive to actually schedule something. Um, that said, I mean, I will say I've had some guys be assertive about their boundaries, which is different than aggressive. And, you know, girls canceled once or twice and say, you know, some girls, like you said, get anxious and nervous and they say, hey, listen, I really want to hang out with you, but it's not cool for you to cancel last minute every time that you want to hang out. Awesome. But if not, that's cool, too. And they just kind of lay it out on the line. And that gets girls sometimes over the hump where they said, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be disrespectful. I've just been really slammed and busy, whatever. Let me, you know, let's definitely hang out. And they actually do come out after that. So either way, I think just don't get on the offensive. Either say, cool, let's make plans again and see if she's willing to commit the next time. If it happens a couple times, you could just say, hey, listen, my time's important to me. I really want to make it happen. But if not, cool, you know, I understand too. And, uh, so, so, either she way. so she cancels on you and you're on Facebook or Twitter and she's posting pictures with like making out with her ex-boyfriend. You shouldn't go on the offensive. <laughs> I, I don't see the reason why. I mean, you don't know this person. She doesn't. As much as it sucks to say 
hey, this girl is flaking on me and doing other things, she's her own person, right? And she doesn't owe you anything, and you're not entitled to her, vice versa. So if you really think that, hey, this girl's online posting other pictures, flirting, doing whatever, then I would say she doesn't really respect your time or she's not really that invested in it. I'd say focus on somebody else. Yeah. Now, it, we usually tell people it means that either she's not attracted uh, enough to you that she's willing to forego those other plans or she just doesn't feel comfortable around you. It's kind of one of the two, one of those, exactly. two, one of those two things. Um, and like if you're, if you're a confident guy, I mean, you take a guy who has a great life, who loves himself, who respects himself, who has abundance in his life, he's not going to be so desperate to randomly attack a stranger to say, please come out and see me. Right. He's going to say, cool. She's not interested. She's her own person, whatever. Next person. Yeah, for sure. No, that's absolutely true. Like as you have more options, each option becomes uh, less valuable. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you, I, I feel like this is something you see more with guys starting out. Would you agree with that? Like, yeah, definitely. And it's the idea of like, you want that person to hang out with you, but you don't need them to. Right. And that's, that's a very you know, important difference is to say like, cool, I want to hang out with you. If it happens often, if it doesn't not, but not, I need you to hang out with me. I think, I think it's a great point. I have another question. If let's say that you were busy, you've been out, of, you were out of town, you were dating someone, whatever the reason, but suddenly you kind of free up and you want to reinitiate contact with a woman. How do you do that? Again, I like to keep it simple. I mean, you know, something that is, just positive, short, concise, and generally ask, you know, ask a question about her. Hey, what's up? It's been forever. How have you been? You know, how's, and if, if you have something to reference about her in the past, like, oh, I've been studying nursing, whatever, you know, I'm taking my exam soon for it. You can reference that. Hey, what's up? It's been a while. How'd the nursing thing go? Did you, you know, did you pass? I'm sure you did. Smiley face. Or, hey, what's up? You know, how's things been? You having an awesome weekend on this gorgeous, you know, day. Um, something really simple that just, is positive and asks her how, how she'd been just really, I think a lot of guys worry too much about the first text that it has to be perfect or absolutely witty when really it's just a means of communication. If she's somewhat just there to say, Hey, I want to talk to you and I want to start a conversation again. And if she's remotely interested in you, she's going to text back. I think that's true. We often just say it's a bridge from, uh, from one moment to the next moment. Right. You need yes. that. You need that bridge in order to communicate, uh, continue the dialogue or continue the, the relationship. Uh, but essentially, yeah, that's, essentially, that's the bridge. perfect. I like that a lot. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit off texting and kind of move into kind of approach first impressions. My first question is, is guys oftentimes, well, certain guys will say, I will never approach. Right. They're just they won't do it. Sure. What do you, what do you say to those guys? I mean, what are the benefits of, of being a man who, who approaches women? I think that you're severely limiting yourself. Um, I think, you know, one thing that I've been really pushing for in the last couple of years is it's so important to get out there and just, you know, open the doors and start dating people to one, figure out yourself a little bit more and, and two, to figure out what you want in somebody else. And I think that a big mistake a lot of guys make is they just take a very passive role in that sense, and they wait for the first person to show them interest, and then they cling on um, regardless if they're the right person for them, regardless if they have you know, the values they want, the personality they want, you know, the sex life they want with them. Um, and that's just, you know, you're setting yourself up for a lot of risk of failure. So I think the biggest thing approaching does is create a lot of options to find the right person for you, especially if you're looking for a long-term relationship, you know, what's the chance that you're going to say, cool, this first girl that comes around, I'm going to start dating her, whatever. She's going to be an awesome partner that I'm going to, you know, potentially spend the rest of my life with or whatever happy. Um, I mean, it's like you wouldn't do that in a lot of other instances in your life, right? There's so many other things that people wouldn't just, they, they want to find the right fit for them, whether, I don't know, you know, every purchase, uh, not to say approaching is a purchase, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you've got to create a lot of options for yourself and you've got to find compatibility is, is hard. You know, how many people end up with their first person that they've ever been with? Far and few between. And it's amazing when they do, but it's just not something you can count on. What are, what are the kind of foundations of a good approach? Okay, I think the foundations of a good approach always start with your nonverbals, 
right, and, and nonverbal communication. So, you know, making sure that you have a genuine smile on, uh, standing tall with your body language, not looking tense, well, what's being the relaxed. What's the benefit of a genuine smile, and how do you, how do you have one? Sure. I think, uh, well, first, we're reciprocative as humans. So, you know, if you come in with a stern face or stern look or you look a little nervous, um, a lot of guys are worried. They're like, oh, girls must think I'm creepy. But it's not about that. It's, it's more about the fact that she doesn't feel like she can reciprocate that smile back to you. So if she's going to reciprocate, if you're coming in stern, most people are going to respond sternly. And it's not like they feel threatened by you necessarily. It's a subconscious reaction. Um, I always say, you know, imagine if you walked into a party and everybody's kind of quiet and drinking wine and just talking and just having a good time, but it's just conversation. You're not going to come in, you know, fist pumping and smiling and, you know, over the top energy because you just don't feel comfortable. Um, vice versa, if you walk into a party and everyone's like music blast and everyone's laughing and everyone's smiling, you're going to immediately feel like, cool, that's how I should come in. And that's how I feel comfortable and make sense in that context. So I think if you're looking for a positive, more friendly, more engaging response, a smile does that. And a smile puts people at ease um, and allows them to return that. Cool. No, I think this is this is awesome. I mean, it makes me think of a couple of things that we talk about in our classes. One of them is that your emotions are transferable or viral. Like people will literally catch your emotions uh, because mm-hmm. of, uh, of of another idea that you talked about that we tend to mirror each other. And so um, there's like some technical components of that, but um, I think that we won't like really have time to get into here. But um, I think it's a really important point to understand. Another thing that's worth uh, worth kind of talking about is how how to kind of enter a group and and people often say, oh, you should come in with a slightly higher energy than the group. And uh, I mean, I tend to agree with that. I don't I don't know what your thoughts are, but one of the reasons why we say to do that, and and very seldom do people explain it, it's because you're trying to lead the group. Right. So like if you're approaching the group with a smile, you're leading with kind of positive energy. When you come in with a slightly higher energy, uh, you're bringing up the energy of the group. And so you kind of brought that up a little bit by saying you wouldn't come into a party piss. uh, I mean, uh, fist pumping if everybody is kind of a little bit more mellow. Um, But I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little different than what I was saying. But in general, I agree in that sense um, in terms of energy. Simply because, you know, I don't know how to explain the lowest, you know, common denominator, but, you know, if you come in and you're much lower than them, they're going to follow that lead, like you said. They're going to they're gonna mirror you in that way about the party, in that party uh, example. They're going to mirror the lower energy that you have. So they're having a great time. You come in, and now they have to come down to your level, and you're kind of deflating that, right? For you're sure. deflating that fun, that energy, and you're taking it away. So I, I definitely agree that you need to come in at least with the same energy or a little bit higher. Um, the only caveat I say about that is daytime, okay? You know, at night, you're going to have to obviously be a lot more energetic, um, you know, a lot more outgoing and, and really pumped up than I think in the daytime. As long as you come in daytime positive, smiling, and, and seem engaging, you don't need to be really over the top like you do at a bar or club. Now, this is good. I say, we often say the only exception is if you have attraction from somewhere else. But I, I think mm-hmm. this is, uh, if you have enough attraction, for example, a celebrity walks into a room, they can have lower energy, they can wear dark glasses and they, uh, to try to break rapport with people and people will still talk to them because they have attraction from somewhere else. But Yeah, um, that's very, very, true. The, great, very the, true. the great things that you're talking about are really about how to build attraction through emotions. And, and uh, so I think there's some really good stuff here. What are some other kind of foundations of a good approach beyond smiling? Sure. So like I said, uh, working with the other nonverbals, um, there's a lot of studies that say, you know, people make uh, an impression about you within the first four minutes. So, you know, standing tall, keeping your head up, not looking so tense and closing off your body language, crossing your arms, not fidgeting and playing with your hands, um, having a voice that at least sounds secure. It's not like, you know, waning and, and quiet and, you know, I really wanted to talk to you, um, not looking down. So a lot of the nonverbal things, uh, like I said, are going to give you the biggest uh, initial response rate. I mean, that's what people have uh, is those first 20 seconds of somebody walking up to them. You know, even me, 
I do a good example is, you know, I can approach uh, women after seven years in front of clients, and if I fake terrible body language and I look down and I'm nervous and whatever, you know, I can say the same thing that gets a great response rate, but I say it with terrible body language, and you almost get nobody responding. Um, vice versa, you can say almost anything uh, to initiate a conversation, and as long as you look comfortable in your skin and you look, you know, you're standing tall and you're speaking with at least a clear and somewhat strong voice, you're going to get a good response. Um, So that would be the first. Yeah, no, I think this is wonderful, wonderful. uh, There's some wonderful ideas here. Uh, But for guys out there, they're listening to this. They're like, how do I know I have good body language or how do I know that I have a, a clear, strong voice? This is dating coach Chris Luna with Craft Charisma. And this is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about something incredibly important. At Craft Charisma, we understand how important it is for you to be great, to be great at work, socially, and to have a great dating and sex life. The fact that you're listening to this podcast already means that you're different because you're actively investing in yourself and in your goals. We think that's awesome, and we want to talk to you about how Craft Charisma Live programs can take you to the next level. Every day I get letters from men who started just where you're at now. They were trying to improve with women, wondering whether they could change. Often they question themselves because of their look, looks, age, ethnicity, accent, height, personal history, or something else. But in each case, each man made the investment in himself, took a Craft Charisma Live program, and it changed his life. In our live programs, we teach you the foundations of great dating skills by having you drill them until you no longer have to think about them. Then we take you into bars, clubs, and onto the street to teach you how to apply these strategies in live situations on strangers. Our coaches are there every step of the way to assist, demonstrate, give you feedback, and to help you reach your goals. Craft Christmas Live programs are the best dating coaching programs in the world. If you're serious about reaching that next level, we can help you get there fast. If you're interested in learning more, contact us at craftcharisma.com. We look forward to hearing more about your situation and helping you reach your goals. Now back to the podcast. Are there any exercises that you can think of maybe off the top of your head that you can recommend uh, to the guys who are listening? Yeah, definitely. Um, So first going back to what you said about smiling, a genuine smile, uh, one thing that you haven't, that, separates it from a lot of people, quote-unquote, fake smile, is you're smiling with your eyes as well. And that's hard to explain, uh, but some good exercises that I've done is, you know, look in a mirror and try to smile, and while you're smiling, make sure that your eyes are smiling a little bit as well. Um, Think about something that makes you happy. Um, Make yourself laugh, tell a joke, watch something, and then look in the mirror that's making you laughing. And you should see that naturally when you're smiling, not only does your mouth smile, but your eyes smile, and, and it looks a lot more inviting than just, you know. And it's t- very hard to explain, but there's a lot of Harvard studies and, and et cetera where people are extremely um, intuitive about discerning real versus fake smiles. Um, so make sure you're smiling with your eyes in that sense. For body language, uh, good exercise is to position yourself against the wall, uh, back against the wall. Make sure that your back of your shoulders, the back of your feet, and the back of your head are kind of touching the wall while standing straight. That makes your body aligned in a straight line. Make sure that they're standing, you know, all together. Uh, you know, obviously the biggest one is for body language also is open versus closed. Get into the habit of, even when you're nervous, making sure that you're not crossing your arms, tightening your legs, making yourself smaller. And then in terms of voice, the biggest initial thing is learning how to speak with your chest or your diaphragm. And it all starts with learning how to breathe with your diaphragm. And a lot of yoga and meditation do this. So the first thing I would say is look up diaphragmatic breathing. A really easy example is uh, lie on your back okay, uh, and breathe. And while you're breathing, try to force your stomach out as you're inhaling. And, and your chest should stay stationary. If your chest is rising while you're taking deep breaths, you're breathing into the top of your chest. Okay, so you want to keep your chest stationary. You want to breathe into your diaphragm and kind of force your stomach out as you're breathing in, over-exaggerated, so you get used to that motion. Um, Practice that. And once you get into naturally being able to breathe deeper through your diaphragm, when you inhale with your diaphragm and you take a big breath, start going through the alphabet 
and pushing out that air while you're talking. So, you know, take a deep breath and go, hey, and really push that air and force it out. It's not necessarily, and, and this is one thing a lot of guys get confused is they think, you know, I need to talk loud. I really need to, like, scream for people to hear me, especially in bar environments. No, it's about the projection. It's about the amount of air and the depth of where it's coming from that'll cut through the noise. So you're not necessarily louder, but you're more, you're projecting more. And that's really where the keto strong voice comes in. Yeah, this is great. I mean, I remember I went through, um, as I was reading your book, there's a few things that I I liked. One, you talked about the alphabet exercise and you said that with each letter that they should try to project a little bit further. And I think that's a good exercise for, uh, for pushing boundaries, because I remember years ago I was taking a actually a few different classes it makes me think a few different classes. One I was taking a a scene study class and I had to get really angry and I found that I I reached this point where I couldn't really get any louder. Actually, I was reading Shakespeare, and um, <laughs> and there was this line. It was like something like, "What if it tempts me towards the flood, my lord, the dreadful sum of the cliff that beetles on the base of the sea and there assumes some horrible form?" It goes on and on and on, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I was supposed to be talking to like Ham, to, talking to Hamlet, trying to convince him not to go to this cliff. And the teacher told me, the emotion is in the script. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he's like, you have to get up. He's he's he wants you to get emotion, uh, get upset um, in this in this line. It's the only way that you'll have the power uh, with your breath to say a line that long without kind of breaking it up. And uh, he was right. It, it was absolutely absolutely amazing. But. It was a challenge for me at first because I wasn't used to having that range of emotion naturally, and so I kept mm-hmm. wanting to hold myself back. And that's not to say that uh, these that the, the listeners out there should get angry if they want to say a lot, uh, say, uh, <laughs> say, say that, uh, say the alphabet or project their voice. But it is there is this idea about putting your breath on your voice and using that power. And sometimes when we're emotional, we do that instinctively, but you have to do that in in a kind of everyday life. There's another exercise you talk about in your book that I really like, and it's something I've actually done in a body movement class, and that's the vibration exercise, where you hum, yep, where you, yeah, where you hum something, and you can do this. I think it's easier with a partner, but you have somebody. Do you want to describe it? Uh, sure. I mean, so, well, when you you know, if you hum high, okay, the easiest way to find where it starts to come from your chest is. If you hum high and make it a high-pitched hum, you'll actually feel uh, it through your nasal cavity. And that's where your chest voice is. So you want to start humming on a lower tone. And when you do, you'll actually feel it start to resonate through your chest. Um, so that's the easiest way I tell guys to immediately discern the difference of, okay, how can I tell if I'm feeling my voice get thinner and through my nose or deeper and through my chest is to adjust the pitch of the hum. Um, I'm interested actually to hear how you do it with the partner. Yeah, well, basically what you do is you can feel that vibration. And so what happens, because sound is a vibration, right? So as you're humming, yep. as you're humming the sound, you have somebody put their hand, um, you can do it from the back even, you, um, along your back. And so that way you can, okay. s- you, you kind of feel, you, you do it with your eyes closed and you feel where that sound is coming from. And you can feel it's lower uh, in their diaphragm, it's higher up uh, near uh, near their, their, their throat. And as they get higher, right, as they hum at a higher pitch, you can feel the vibration rise. And as you lower, uh, you lower the pitch, you'll feel the vibration drop. So your hands will move up and down, but it's a great exercise for becoming aware of where, um, where your voice is coming from. Is it coming higher in your voice or lower in your diaphragm? But yeah, that, that's kind of, that's the exercise. No, that's cool. I never thought about, you know, having that actually even works on that. If you're like on a side note on a coaching basis, you know, Oh yeah, for Showing sure. the guys like feel the difference, um, as a point of reference. Yeah, we do all that stuff. Um, these are the things I, right. pick, I picked that up in a, um, a body movement class a few years ago, uh, from a really bright woman. I don't remember her name, but maybe in the podcast, I might include, I'm going to include <laughs> links to you. I might include links to her. Um, but it, it was really helpful. Uh, some of the other things I wanted to kind of talk to you about or ask you about best places uh, to meet women. So uh, a little bit, it depends on what you're looking for. I, I don't necessarily buy into the best place to meet women. I think you can meet women anywhere, anywhere there is women is a good place to meet women. Um, minus, you know, obvious a funeral or something. 
<laughs> uh, bar, bar and club, obviously, um, you're going to tend to have more of a certain type of, and this isn't generalized, but you're going to have a lot of girls who like going out, partying, having fun, and also you can move things forward a lot quicker. Right? If a girl's out at a bar or out at a high-energy club, she's having a fun time with a friend, she's a little drunk, she's looking for somebody to hook up with, a lot of times girls are going to be open to progressing that night, going back home and then continuing things there. So if you're looking to really get physical, have a lot of fun, hook up quickly, uh, bars and clubs are going to give you a great opportunity to do that. The daytime is absolutely amazing just because 99% of women aren't really getting approached. They might get catcalled or they might get a guy making a side comment like, you know, at Starbucks, have you tried the pumpkin muffin? And that's it. Um, but if you come up and you approach, you know, you come in very confident, you can have a two to five minute conversation that's very organic, and then you make a good impression, and it's a lot higher chance that she's going to respond. You know, if you meet her and she's like, oh, I met this great guy at Barnes & Noble, we talked for three minutes, and he wants to get drinks on Thursday, you know, she's sober, it's something completely new, it's very organic, there's a high chance of a response rate, but obviously you have to go on more dates in that setting. And then otherwise, I think, in your social life. So do things that you find enjoyable. Join the social sports club, you know, go to a festival, go to, you know, join a bunch of meetups or whatever. And obviously the only caveat there is if it's strictly a male meetup, like if you're going into hardcore engineering meetup, there's probably not going to be some women there. But outside of that, you know, in any social environment, you know, beach sports, whatever, there's going to be plenty of viable women. And if it's something you like, Again, it gives you a nice commonality to work from. That's great. Okay, so we talked a little bit about kind of where to meet women um, and really kind of you, you can meet them really anywhere. How about what is the best thing to kind of say to start a conversation? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I'm really a fan of kind of direct approaches. Um, not to say that I don't mind making a situational comment. I just think if you're less experienced, um, being very direct about approaching, and I'll give you an example, uh, it's just a very safe way. You always know what to say. You don't have the excuse of, I don't know, you know what I'm going to approach with. Um, then as you get more comfortable, obviously you can become more dynamic. You make offhand comments you know, walking by and make an observation of the real world and make a joke about it. But to start with, I tell guys, you know, don't be afraid to walk up to a girl, you know, in the middle of the daytime and say, hey, I saw you over here drinking a coffee. I was wondering if I could come introduce myself and take a seat. Um, or I saw you walking by. I thought you were really cute. I had to come say hi. Um, or don't mean to be interrupting your Vonnegut reading, <laughs> but I wanted to come introduce myself. You know, I'm Nick. And just be very honest about it. And, again, much of that's going to be dictated by you know, your nonverbal communication, but if you come across as a genuinely nice and confident person, um, direct works very well. And even when women aren't interested or are taken, it's still very flattering because it, it plays into everybody wants to be liked, right? And everybody wants to know that they're interesting and attractive and, and, you know, validated in that sense. So when you're coming over and say, hey, I found you interesting in some way, okay, and they don't feel threatened by it, it still yields a very good response. And it's amazing when clients see you, a lot of times girls will be like, you know, actually, you know, I'm taken, but oh my God, that was so sweet. If I, if I wasn't dating someone, I'd totally give you my number. And they're really genuinely excited about it. Um, and at night, you know, the only difference I'd say there in a bar sometimes is uh, try to make it more about the energy or what they're putting out necessarily than rather just like, hey, you're gorgeous. I mean, it works. But, you know, they've been approached by a ton of drunk guys slurring the word, word sometimes saying, like, hey, honey, what's up? So just saying something like, hey, you guys look really fun. We wanted to come say hi. You guys look like the friendliest people here. We wanted to introduce ourselves. I love your dance moves. What's your name? Um, just something about what they're doing or what they're offering or their energy or their attitude. Um, and even I've had a guy, you know, walk up to a girl and say, I love that flower in your hair. It's awesome. I told a girl, like, I love your style. You're leather jackets, badass, right? And goes well. I think, you know, ending on that note, it's amazing every time a guy comes and says, you know, what's the, what's the magical line I need? And then I tell him to just be honest about their approach. 
and they get a great response, and it's like the biggest mind-blowing moment for them, that you could just walk up, be human, and, and start a conversation. What do you think the advantages and disadvantages of direct approaching is? So I think the advantages are it lays your intentions on the line very quickly, um, which tends to set the expectations uh, correctly early on. So if she's not interested, generally, you know, saying I came over to you to get to know you potentially for romantic reasons and she's not viable or not interested, she's going to tell you very quickly because there's no ambiguity of why you're there. Um, vice versa, if she is interested, um, then she's going to respond very well, very quickly, and it's going to it's going to start off with the notion of we're getting to know each other for that reason, rather than sometimes when you're coming in situational um, and just making offhand comments. I've had a lot of guys, they say, you know, girls don't know if they're just being friendly or if they just want to make friends. And I've had guys, you know, talk from a situational conversation 20, 30 minutes, and then the girl says, oh, you know, when they start to realize this guy's really trying to move things forward, I have a boyfriend. Um, when you're direct, if she has a boyfriend, you generally get the I have a boyfriend very quickly. Uh, how how do, how, do and, you, how do you move things forward? Uh, so again, varied on the situation. Uh, nighttime, okay, you're going to obviously start to be a little bit more physical. Uh, bar and club environments are much more forward in that sense. You're going to start ramping up your physical contact. You're going to try to move her eventually alone to a more quieter place where you guys can get personal or you can get a drink at the bar. Um, and then eventually... You know, if you're still talking, she's still interested, she's touching you back, or she's cool with you touching her, you're probably going to go for a kiss before you head off. And then obviously you can progress it into, hey, let's go back and hang out at your place or something. Um, during the daytime, not going to generally be as much forward. Your two options are, you know, talk to her for a couple minutes, have an organic conversation, get to know her, you know, what do you do, blah, blah, blah. Very, very simple. And, hey, this is really fun, we should do this again, and set up a date. Um, otherwise, if she's really engaged and you have time and you think, hey, we could continue this, invite her to go grab a coffee with you right then and there. Or, or go take a seat if you're near the park. Hey, let's continue this. i got half an hour. Let's keep talking. Um, and then move there. And then obviously, same rules apply where you can get a little bit more closer, a little bit more physical and push things forward in that regard. Are there specific ways that you recommend touching a girl the first time? Yeah, I think um, in ways that are not threatening, but still showing your intention. So in that sense, places where we're naturally more comfortable with touching a lot of people. So upper arms, sides of the arms, elbows, you know, high five, hugs, those things, shoulder. Um, and then obviously the more intimate you get, you know, you can work towards the lower back, towards your hips. Uh, but generally I say for the initial touches, keep it to where you touch your friends or your coworkers just to initially break the contact barrier. But don't be afraid to move it forward there, too. I mean, a lot of guys make the mistake where they just, for 25 minutes, are only touching the girl's shoulder. Um, but, yeah, generally, I mean, you don't want to come up and grab her ass, excuse my language. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I was, I was going to say you don't want to start with the butt or the inner thighs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a very small chance. It's very polarizing, and I've seen it work. But, you know, more likely than not, you, you're going to blow yourself out for no reason. Yeah, one of the only situations I've seen that kind of work is when uh, a guy tells uh, tells a girl, um, like he approaches her and starts talking to her, and she says something feisty, and he says, "If you do that again, I'm going to spank you." And then she turns around and she wants to be spanked. I've watched that happen about a dozen times. Um, but that <laughs> oh, would yeah. be he's giving you that permission, right? Yeah, there's essentially like, a, but there's a context for it, right? Yeah, um, exactly. But that's exactly. that's why I said what you're talking about is is a context, like what's the normal context when you first meet a stranger or you make an acquaintance or you have a friend? Um, it's not normally to spank them. <laughs> but uh, but, but uh, no, I think this and is... And especially, especially during the daytime. I mean, if you start putting your hands on a girl's thigh 30 seconds into meeting her in the middle of the day, that can send up a lot of red defensive flags pretty quick. Yeah, I, I believe you. Um, <laughs> well, for these guys who are kind of going, you're talking about being a little bit more direct and even touch, touch is, is kind of a direct thing to do or can feel like mm -hmm. it for a guy who's starting out. Um, it might even induce anxiety. What can you recommend to guys who have, for example, approach anxiety 
Um, they're scared to approach girls that they're maybe and they're scared to approach anybody uh, or maybe they're scared to approach girls that they're really attracted to. Um, sure. What do you recommend? So, you know, when I started coaching seven years ago, I really got into the mindset of like, you know, push them into the deep end. You've got to just blast through it and just approach and approach and you'll get over it. And like you said, unfortunately, that doesn't work for a lot of people, especially with heavier anxiety. Um, so the easiest way is you don't need to go zero to 60. You know, don't, don't say, okay, I need to approach. I'm, I'm screwed. It's like break it down into small manageable steps that, you know, make it a lot easier. So even if that's, you know, that guys who can't even make eye contact with strangers on the street. So just walk down a busy street and make eye contact with people, you know, for a day and feel good about that. Okay. Get comfortable working and challenging your comfort zone slowly, but it's still pushing you and it's still feeling new and, and a little bit, you know, it's still a little nerve wracking, but it's manageable and then move it up. You know, maybe you move into make eye contact file and just greet people walking by. Hey, how are you doing today? And just, you know, not to approach, not to do anything, just to get a great response. Okay. And then another step is you can give compliments by walking by. And that helps a lot of guys where, you know, they say, you know, I love your scarf, just completely walking by and they see, you know, women light up and respond really well. And that starts to set some references of, okay, there are plenty of people who, when I start to approach and start to engage, they are going to respond positively and want to talk to me. Um, and then you can obviously work your way up to asking for directions if that's harder for you, or like you said, approaching maybe women that you aren't as intimidated by and pretty much just training wheels and you work your way up and you get more comfortable at every level. So that way, when you do start doing the full approaches, it's going from 50 to 60 and not, you know, nothing to, Oh my God. Yeah, this is great. We oftentimes say, I I do this. One of my lectures, I talk about, I ask people who eat steak and if they don't eat steak, I tell them to, um, to use something else that their favorite food or whatever. And, and with the example of steak, I say, who here uh, eats steak all at once? And then everyone goes, well, no, no one eats steak all at once. I go, well, how do you eat it? And they say, well, you eat it in pieces. You eat it in pieces. And I'm like, well, what would happen if you eat the whole thing all at once? And, and then somebody always says, well, you would choke. And I'm like, the same thing is true about your goals, right? When you try to swallow them all at one time, uh, you choke. And that's instinctive when we're eating because we've learned that through trial and error from um, the time we were really small. Uh, but it's not always uh, as simple in other areas of our life. And, and actually, this uh, the first kind of thing that you recommended, uh, one of our interns really liked it. He said that he did something similar when he started out. He said he couldn't hold eye contact with people. And so he practiced just walking down the street and, and for two weeks making eye contact with every person that he saw and then, mm-hmm. and then, uh, and smiling, making eye contact and smiling. So it wasn't just making eye contact and staring them down. Um, he was making <laughs> eye contact and smiling. And, uh, and after two weeks that he had gotten rid of his anxiety about holding eye contact. But I think this is really good. It's a lot of this, uh, kind of seems to be the stuff you're talking about seems to be rooted in kind of CBT cognitive, beha- cognitive behavioral oh, yeah, therapy, definitely. Um, definitely. but working kind of off a foundation and into increments towards kind of bigger goals. Um, but it's really, really great stuff. Something Thank else you. you talk about uh, in your book is uh, dressing well. How important is dressing well? And do you have any tips for guys who might not have, uh, um, might, might not know where to start when it comes to dressing well? Sure. Um, I think, you know, the first thing before even getting into an actual practical fashion tip is to you know, a lot of guys think, okay, if I go to get into fashion, I got to spend a lot of money. And it's just not true. Um, you can buy clothes on sale from brands that are, are somewhat decent. You don't need to go to high end brands to start with, drop a lot of money um, to look good. So, and, and the most important thing to start with, I think that is really learning the core of everything is you can make almost anything look good as long as it fits well. So understand your body type a little bit, learn how to you know, what size shirts and pants you should wear. Learn, you know, when you're wearing a shirt, they should end on your shoulders and not draping over, you know, that there should be, the material shouldn't be squishing your body, but it shouldn't be hanging off loose. It should be falling right against your skin. Um, same thing with pants. You don't want a ton of excess room. You know, you want like a, a finger or two fingers pinched of excess room. So really the first thing to start with is learn how to buy fitted clothes. Even if you're a bigger guy, a lot of bigger guys are scared of like, oh, if I get fitted clothes, it's going to make me look worse. 
no, it can actually make you look better. And it makes you look kind of, now I know a lot of big guys that are great with women that look like, you know, baller. <laughs> they look like a boss when they wear nice clothes and they're a big guy, but they're kind of fitted. And if you wear, you know, if you're trying to cover up yourself and wear even bigger clothes, then it just looks really unflattering. Um, and then the second step would be, you know, do this, learn some basic color matching. So take two or three colors. You can even use like an online app, uh, color matcher, type in, you know, a color, pick a color, and they'll show you complementary colors. So if you've got a shirt and you want to ma match something, you know, an undershirt for layering, or you want to match, you know, dark jeans, a certain gray jeans, you can find out what colors look good with that. Um, so the basics, you know, half of it is just finding clothes that fit and that colors that coordinate. And, and I'd also say keep it simple to start with. <laughs> you know, uh, nothing's wrong with a nice fitted, you know, some clean shoes, nice fitted jeans, and like a shirt um, until you learn how to layer and get more extravagant. Okay, so now you're looking good. You, uh, your body language is great. You got great uh, nonverbals, great voice, great eye contact. Um, you kind of have an idea of, of what you're going to say, so you have clear intent. Any ideas on who you should approach? Sure. Um, I think it's kind of a lot of times is what your goals are. Uh, if you feel like, you know, I have a great social life, I have friends that I like, even girlfriends that I like, and I really want to spend my free time outside of my work week to find somebody that I want to be romantic with, then I would say focus on somebody that you're attracted to. Um, a lot of guys immediately qualify when they tell me that they want to learn how to approach attractive women. They, they say, you know, but I, I don't want to sound shallow. And it's like, it's not shallow. You know, it's it, physical attraction. And at least from that initial standpoint is important. You know, if you're not attracted to somebody on a physical level, it's hard to get past that initially. So, you know, if you're looking for romance specifically, you know, it doesn't hurt to obviously warm up and, and approach other women, but approach women you find attractive, at least from, an, you know, use that as your first litmus test. That's it. Am I attracted to this person? Yes or no. And if yes, go talk to them. Otherwise, if you're, you know, I have guys that move into new cities, I say talk to everyone. You don't know who you're going to make friends with, and you don't know what other friends they're going to introduce you to. And if you're trying to build a social circle, it doesn't hurt. Nick, this is great, but we have to wrap this up, unfortunately. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Chris. It's been really fun, man. So if you're listening and you want to learn more about Nick and his, his programs, his coaching, his books, we're going to post some links on the Craft Charisma website and within the description of this podcast so you can find, about, find out more about him a little bit easier. Hi, it's Chris Luna with Craft Charisma. Absolutely another awesome podcast with another incredible guest. If you haven't followed us yet, make sure that you follow us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, whatever it is that uh, you're using to listen to this podcast. If there's a guest that you want on here, reach out to me. Make sure that uh, that I know. Uh, I'll get them on the show. Uh, I'll beg them, yell, scream, stand outside their house, whatever. I'll, I'll get them on the show for you guys. Uh, but make sure you let me know who those people are. You can reach out to me through Twitter, uh, Twitter forward slash Craft Charisma, Facebook, Facebook forward slash Craft Charisma, or you can email me, Chris at Craft Charisma. Dot com and I will do everything I can to make sure that happens. Again, we want to continue to improve this podcast so that we can help you reach your goals. So uh, bye for now and you'll hear from me again soon.